Welcome to the Rock Your World Naturally Show, sharing God's prescription for total health in spirit, soul, and body. I'm your host, Rakesia McMillan, award-winning author, Air Force veteran, and total health coach. I'm passionate about sharing biblical truth, scientific research, and practical lifestyle approaches to help heal your world naturally. In honor of Veterans Day, I had the opportunity to interview Amy Walton, whose late father was a prisoner of war in World War II and survived the infamous Bataan Death March. The day after Japan bombed the U.S. Naval base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii on December 7, 1941, the Japanese invasion of the Philippines began. Within a month, the Japanese captured Manila the capital of the Philippines, and American and Filipino defenders of Luzon were forced to retreat to the Bataan Peninsula. Between 60 to 80,000 Americans and Filipino prisoners of war were forced to march 65 miles. Many men died during the journey as a result of being severely beaten, receiving little to no food and water, and were stabbed with batons. The conditions were disease-ridden and beyond horrific. Under the leadership of General Douglas MacArthur, who in 1942 had famously promised to return to the Philippines, made good on his word. In February of 1945, U.S. Filipino forces recaptured the Bataan Peninsula and Manila, resulting in liberation. The Japanese commander and two of his officers were tried by the U.S. military and were found guilty of war crimes and sentenced to death. Amy shares that her father testified as a witness during these trials. Amy provides an intimate look into her father's life and believes the fact that he survived was a miracle as he lived to be 91 years of age. She shares the lessons that she learned in life from her father to include resilience and the power of forgiveness. Not only did Amy's father influence her, but he made a lasting impact on her sons as well, one of which followed in his grandfather's footsteps and currently serves as an officer on active duty with the U.S. Army. Amy shares her experience as a proud military mother and how her faith provided hope and strength that she and her family needed during her son's one-year deployment to Iraq. You'll be encouraged by this life-changing interview. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to the show, Amy Walton. Hello and welcome everyone back to the Rock Your World Naturally show. I'm your host, Rakesia McMillan. And today is a very special interview day as we are celebrating and commemorating Veterans Day, which will be held on November the 11th. And today my guest, Amy Walton, I've had her um, on the show previously. She is the 
co-founder and owner of Holy Groundings, which is a wonderful uh, yoga program with a Christian-based theme. And one of the things that I was so delighted to find out about Amy is that she comes from a large military family. And so I thought, what better way to celebrate and honor our veterans than to bring her back for the show today. So Amy, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, Rikisia, thank you so much. It's just, I, I just enjoy having conversations with you and thank you for your military service and your families. And uh, it's just a joy to be back with you, especially on Veterans Day. Oh, thank you so much. And I am so looking forward um, to the interview with you today, Amy. And so, again, as I had mentioned, one of the things that I found out is that you come from a military family. So can you share with our audience a little bit about your family background and um, how this all started as far as the, the military experience for you? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I was fortunate when I was growing up because my parents shared a lot of family stories with me. I, I come from large families on both sides. And I had a lot of uncles. I had several uncles on both sides of my family who were either in the, the Marines, the Army, the Navy uh, during World War II, largely. And my father was the baby of eight children. And mm -hmm. his oldest brother was a naval officer. And he always looked up to him. And so when my father was about, well, he was 16 years old. He lied about his age and he enlisted in the United States Army. And he, he did it largely to just get out of Greensboro, North Carolina and see the world. Uh, well, he got to see the world and more <laughs> because uh, unfortunately he ended up becoming a prisoner of war mm -hmm. and uh, survived the Bataan Death March. And so that was very much, has always been a part of my life because as the child of a prisoner of war and one who went through just conditions that most people have a hard time wrapping their heads around. I, it's yeah. a miracle my dad survived. Mm. Um, but hearing his stories, you know, um, really taught me some important lessons in life about strength, about staying focused, about not throwing in the towel. And I've always had such admiration for the military because my father, having gone through what he went through, was a diehard patriot and very pro-U.S. military. Yeah. And that rubbed off on my older son. He, both of my children really looked up to their grandfather. He, he actually became a surrogate father to them in, in a way after we lost their dad when they were really young. Their other grandfather, their paternal grandfather had also been in the army. He was an army officer. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when he got out of the army, he went into the corporate world. But so they had this military background on both sides. And, you know, fast forward all those years, my older son decided to go to college 
and become an army officer. And he just mm-hmm. recently promoted to lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. Wow. So I've always known, I've always um, had particularly the army in my family. You know, it's just always been, we've been very much a pro hua uh, family. Mm-hmm. Wow. And just the fact that your father kind of was the catalyst, the spark to really influence your sons and yeah. to to really be a part. And for those that may be listening that are not familiar with the Bataan Death March, I just want to give a little bit of a, a background mm-hmm. so people can have an understanding of what it was and how it all started. And so the day after uh, the Japanese, they bombed the U.S. Naval Base in Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. Right. And at that time, the Japanese invaded the Philippine Islands. Yeah. <clears throat> they began to take over the capital. There were U.S. forces that were there. There were also Filipino forces that were there. Correct. Um, they ended up getting control of that area. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they captured those military men and they were forced to march I think it was like a 65 mile yes you know march um, and along that march there were many men who died along the way they were not given food they were not given water some of them were physically beaten tortured um, beyond measure and so there was a total of almost I think 80,000 um, service members that really went through this horrific time but it was under the leadership of General MacArthur, yes. who made a commitment that he was going to do due diligence and liberate the Philippines. And they did just that. I, I love General MacArthur. I love studying the history of his leadership. And he was a man of his word. And um, he did just that to go in to liberate Mm-hmm. the men um, from U.S. forces as well as the Filipino forces and and even the Japanese uh, generals who were leading that charge, they were actually charged with war crimes and yes. were, were executed because of the war crimes that were committed against the soldiers at that time. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, and so your father survived this this famous... The ten death march. He did, Rakesia. He survived it. Um, he has described. My dad was an open book. Mm. He was uh, particularly after he got over his initial years of. Um, well, he actually stayed in the army after mm. he recovered from this terrible, almost four-year um, <laughs> adventure, if you will, yeah. uh, ordeal. And, um, but anyway. My dad um, would be very open to anybody who would listen about the march, about his experiences as a prisoner mm-hmm. of war. Wow. And he often told me, you know, he remembers friends of his on the march that would just be too tired. They were hot. They were tired. They were aching and they would fall out. And mm-hmm. if they fell out, they would get a bayonet stuck in their side wow. or they would get shot and they just fall by the side of the road and they would just be left there. 
Hmm. He saw friends of his, and I make it a bit graphic here, but I'm just being really open. He would see friends of his have their heads chopped hmm. off. They were beheaded. Oh, wow. um, at one of the most notorious POW camps in the Philippines, Cabana Tawan, um, my dad was on burial detail. And hmm. he told me one time, and he told this to many groups, um, he figures he buried 18,000 bodies, something mm -hmm. like that, over the course of his time. And he always said, you know, you have to become numb. You have to erect this wall around yourself. Otherwise, you won't survive. Yes. And it's just, he lost all sense of time, actually. You know, there were no clocks. Mm -hmm. uh, he got up before the sun rose, worked hard labor, all day with very little food, very little water. And this was day after day for three years and nine months. Mm. And he had a lot of um, diseases. He had malaria several times. He had beriberi. Um, I, I forget what all. And one of the things, you know, that really resonated with me, Rakesia, was so many people know about the death march. A lot of people don't. You're right. Yeah. And, and that bothers me, especially about the younger generation, not really knowing about this. Yes. But one of maybe even the worst part of my dad's entire experience was when they were transported from the Philippines to Japan in the hulls of Japanese coal freighters. And so these coal freighters are now referred to as the hell ships. Hmm. And they would pack these prisoners in the hulls of these ships, uh, a lot of times naked. They're straddling each other. Hmm. My dad's crossing was a 28-day crossing. Some of the ships were torpedoed and the men were killed. And I, I want to circle back to that. So hold that thought because I came full circle with that this summer. Um my dad's ship took 28 days. And again, getting graphic here, he told me that one time he witnessed another prisoner bite into the neck of another prisoner and drink from his juggler vein because mm. he was so thirsty. Mm. And the bucket that they would lower down a few times a day down to the prisoners was the bucket these men were supposed to do their bodily functions in. Yeah. It was the bucket they lowered their rice rations in and yeah. their water. So just a very disease-ridden type of environment. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's amazing my dad survived this. I mean, he lived to be 91 years old. He's been gone almost seven years. It'll be seven years in January. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, had a really healthy life. Wow. But, you know, I would look at him sometimes and he had this great sense of humor. Now, that didn't come without hardship because mm -hmm. my early childhood is very um, saturated with his PTSD. Mm. that played out in the form of nightmares that I heard at night. Yeah. I, I've often wondered if some of the sleep issues I've navigated on and off as an adult mm -hmm. have to do with my early childhood, because I can remember nights as a little, little girl yes. being afraid to go to sleep because yeah. I was afraid of what I was going to hear in the middle of the right. night. 
And I remember uh, getting up one morning and I'd heard my dad screaming all night and he just sort of brushed it off. But he said to my mom, he said, you know, I had this dream last night. He, He called them. With all due respect, a lot of these veterans did that. Mm-hmm. He would refer to the Japanese as the Japs. His, yeah. his oh, yeah. sure. And he, he, I remember he said, I just had this dream that these Japs were chasing me on a herd of water buffalo. Oh, wow. And, um, but he, he ended up, he grew out of that, you know, yes. thank God, literally. Yes. And did so much good with his life. Mm-hmm. Um, but his example of just strength and focus and the sheer will to survive certainly has helped me having lost my husband all those years ago and having to raise two children by myself. Yeah. And even just listening to how your father was so open to share his experience, Amy, because there are so many veterans who have those invisible war wounds. Yes. And they still have not talked about what they've gone through because it has just been so painful. Mm-hmm. And so there was just something within him that was a strength that allowed him to not be ashamed. Um, and that may be one of the reasons why he lived as long as he did, because he was able to talk about the horrific experiences that he went through while he was serving in the army. I think that's a really good point, Rakesia, because there are a lot of veterans who just cannot talk about their experiences yeah. and having come to know a lot of the adult children of of Bataan um, and grandchildren, we have a lot of um, similarities in our backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, the ones that would talk about how, you know, their parents were open books. Others never talked about it. And one of the interesting things, the first time I met a large group of Bataan children uh, was at a convention about Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And I I burst into tears, first of all, meeting them. It was like meeting family that I had not known. But one of the things that seemed to be a commonality among us was that because these men lived these lives that were completely out of their control, a lot of their adult lives were, I don't want to say controlling, but they liked familiarity. Mm. And so... For example, when I was growing up, we went to the same places on vacation every year. We would flip-flop. One year we go here, one year we go there. One year we'd go back here, one year we go back there. We stayed at the same motels. Yeah. And but you know, it, that and that seemed to be a theme with all these other children. They're like, "Oh my gosh, that was my life." Yes. So, no, but I think that you're so right as far as keeping that sense of control. Mm-hmm. Because whatever experience was, you know, took place in their lives, that was something that was totally out of their control from yes. day to day for three years, four years at a time. And now being in an environment that, okay, I have control, this is what's going to help me to have some type of normalcy or stability. Mm-hmm. And so maintaining that was was very important. Yes. Very important. Mm-hmm. Very. 
And so with, you know, the, the stories, the resiliency of your father, the influence that he's had, you know, on your children. And so you currently have a son who has continued on the military tradition. Yes, yes. Active duty with the U.S. Army. And so from a, a mom perspective, what is that like now seeing your son wow. you know, wearing that uniform, getting ready to get promoted to lieutenant colonel? I mean, what is that like as a mom for you? Well, you know, first of all, I am so proud of him. I'm just bursting with pride. Um, he's worked very hard to get where he is, but he also loves what he does. He he takes great pride in putting his uniform on and he loves being a soldier. And, um, you know, just to back up a little bit, I can remember when he was in high school, he was being very heavily recruited by a Marine sergeant. And my dad sat him down and talked to him. And he said, look, you've got an opportunity I want you to go to college and I want you to become an officer. He said, there's honor whether you're enlisted or you're an officer, but I want you to get your education. So he ended up going to an army junior college, which is like, those are the best things going that a lot of people don't know about. Two years, you get a degree. It's an advanced ROTC program, or you get a commission wow. rather and an associate's degree. And then you have, um, up to three years to finish your bachelor's. Mm -hmm. But uh, so that was the path my son took. He went to Georgia Military College in Milledgeville, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And then he graduated from Georgia State University in Atlanta mm -hmm. and went active duty in 2007. Mm -hmm. And um, he has since earned a master's degree courtesy of the Army at the Air Command Staff College in mm -hmm. uh, at Maxwell Air Force Base in Montgomery, yeah. Alabama. And he's getting another master's right now. He's working on that at the University of Hawaii of Manoa mm -hmm. um, because he's he's based in Hawaii. He's been there for four years. Um, but not only am I proud of him, but, you know, I think one of the hardest things I know it is, Rikisia, is when you have to send a loved one into a combat zone. That was a big wake up call for me. Like, I know that so much in life is out of our control. Yeah. And that was a big issue. I mean, that was a big deal for me. It was a big lesson in yeah. letting go and letting God and saying, this is, this is Uncle Sam. You know, I have no control over this. And, and so I remember being in San Antonio, Texas in December before his very first deployment as a, as a lieutenant in January of 2009. Uh, he was looking at a one-year deployment to Iraq. Mm -hmm. And I can remember we were sitting in this cathedral, this really old cathedral in, in San Antonio, and I started crying. And uh, my former daughter-in-law was with us and she started crying and he just put his arms around us. We were just sitting in the cathedral. And when he took me to the airport to come back home, I think I just tried to memorize every square inch of his mm -hmm. face mm -hmm. and to 
hug him for that last time and walk into that airport. And, you know, I'm horrible. Anytime I visit my kids, I'm just a sobbing, pathetic mess. You know, really happy when I get there. I'm waving, waiting for them to pick me up. And then they take me to the airport and I'm just like, I'm horrible. I'm just a pathetic puddle. And that's fine. But I can remember hugging him and, you know, entering the airport doors and then looking back just one last time. And I just said right then, Lord, please protect him. Yes. I, I bought this candle. I bought a prayer candle. I lit it every day for him. And I prayed. I just sat there with that candle in the morning before I went to work. Mm. I prayed for him. I prayed for him throughout the day. I prayed for him at night. And I would be at work and some afternoons I'd want to just do a news check. And now part of that was I was just curious at what a news update was. But yeah. I also knew in the back of my mind, I was looking to see if anything had happened in Iraq. Right. And whenever I would see a headline that would say something like six U.S. troops killed near Kirkuk, which was yeah. the area he was based in, my yeah. heart would go up in my throat. I would immediately call my daughter-in-law and ask if she'd heard from him. Most often she had. So that was good. I was good, you know, yeah. but then there would be a couple of times she was beside herself. No, I haven't heard from him. And, you know, you're just praying, you know, Lord, just let them, let him be okay. Let him be alive and safe. And so at the end of that deployment, I mailed him that candle mm. and I wrote him a note to let him know how his mother's prayers yeah. We're over that every day. But I can remember in um, November of 20, not 2009, right before he came home in December, he called me on Thanksgiving Day to wish me a happy Thanksgiving and was just sharing about the tradition they have of the officers serving the meals to yes. the enlisted. Yeah. And, and then he just said it was he almost made it like a casual remark. He goes, oh, and, you know, I, I got a I, we did these awards and I was awarded a bronze star. And I'm like, really? And he said, yeah. And I said, what for? And there was a pause, pretty long. <laughs> and he said, uh, uh, you know, just overall job performance. So I was talking to my dad that night and my dad had a bronze star and some purple hearts and different medals. And daddy said, you find out why he got that bronze star. He says he didn't get that bronze star for overall job performance. Right. So he called a couple of days later and I said, tell me why you got the bronze star. Yes. And he says, mom, about three months into my deployment, mm. we were on a mission. Yeah. And we were clearing for bombs and for IEDs. And we thought we had gotten them all. And mm -hmm. we were heading back to the FOB, you know, the forward yes. operating base. And they were heading back and <laughs> they realized in a big way they did not get all the, the bombs. Yeah, yeah. And he said he saw his whole life flash in front of him, massive explosion. Mm. Fortunately, he was riding in the heaviest, most heavily armored vehicle. Okay. They they all got out relatively unscathed. Yes. So he's telling me this, Rakesia, and my heart is just pounding. It's just pounding. Mm -hmm. And I get off the phone and I'm shaking. Now, keep in mind, this was in November. So this incident probably took place in like March or April. Yeah, yeah. And so I stood there and I just thanked God. 
for yeah. saving his life. Yes. Then I called my younger son mm. and I said, I've got something to tell you. And I was just shaking and he's like, oh God, mom, what is it? So I told him, mm. he says, mom, I knew about it the day it happened. Mm. And Jamie said, please don't tell mom. I don't want her to worry. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm always very quick to tell my children when they have certain things that happen, this is why I put you in God's hands every single day intentionally. I don't just say, oh, I put my children in God's hands. I mindfully, prayerfully, intentionally put my children in God's hands. And just yesterday, my son, who's in the army, was telling me, I guess he was getting ready to go to school or something, and he has a pickup truck. And he was getting ready to get in the door of the truck. And this woman comes flying past him in a car, buried in her phone, looking Mm -hmm. down at her phone. And she nearly clipped him. But fortunately, because he's in great shape, and as he called it, his quick combative reflexes. (laughs) Yes. He literally hurled himself over the bed of the truck. And he he said to me last night, had I not done that, I would have died. And I said, and this is why I put you in God's hands. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Just so many things that you shared about the role of a mother Uh, in their children's life. Yes, because, you know, I I talk about this a lot. It comes up a lot with um, a lot of my friends that I've been friends with for decades. And our kids grew up together. How, you know, back when they were little, we thought that their, oh, I don't know, their first grade teacher or whatever was a problem. And Mm -hmm. we were all up in the air about it. But then kids grow up and they have adult problems. And and you're still a parent. (laughs) I always say parenthood is a lifetime. Yes, it is. There's no expiration date on it. Like it is a lifetime. It's just different stages of our mm-hmm. our children's lives that we are present for and yes. it's learning how to operate in those roles when they're little, as they're teenagers, in their adulthood. Um, parenthood is is always at the forefront yeah. of what we do. But you know, Rakesia, I'll tell you this. I, when I look at my older son, if he ever hears this podcast, I'm hoping he'll just smile and laugh and say, Mom, that was great, and not get upset about what I'm about to share. But, you know, when he was a teenager, he was not the neatest person in the world. His bedroom, I often joked about it being a compost pile because <laughs> uh, you literally couldn't even see the flooring underneath the clothes and the empty, oh, I don't know, potato chip wrappers, whatever. Yeah. And when he went to military college, whew, <laughs> boy, did it turn him into an officer and a gentleman. And so, you know, now I have to, if we're sitting around after dinner at his house, yeah, I often have to say, sweetie, just sit down. Let's just enjoy some conversation. We don't need to get all the dishes up right now and get everything, but you know, that's just how he is. And so I, I, you know, I think it would be really wonderful for every young person 
to have, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for saying this. Mm -hmm. I think it would be really wonderful for every young person to have some kind of military training. Amy, I must totally agree with you. No. Because in other countries, if you go to European countries, yes. other countries, it is required as a citizen of that country, yes. you will give back to your country. Mm -hmm. And I have always felt strongly about that as a veteran coming from a, a large military family myself, that there is just a sense of pride. Yes. There is a sense of appreciation. For mm -hmm. when we give back to our country in service. And so I have always, and this is a conversation I know many, many military members talk about, veterans talk about, that have served, that it, it, it would do our country, I think, well for everyone to have an opportunity to serve because it gives you those principles like the discipline. Yes. Like the respect, appreciation for your country, serving your fellow man. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that are instilled within you that that help you in life overall. Yes. And, and you know, that is one of the things I love, especially in this area where I live in the Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Virginia area. That's yeah. so heavily populated by especially mm -hmm. the, the United States Navy is, you know, I, I have a lot of friends and I've had a lot of friends over the years living here who have served in the military, very much patriotic people. They fly their flags. I need to change mine. I had a fall flag out there. I'm changing it for Veterans Day to our U U.S. flag, mm -hmm. which I typically fly all the time. I just decided mm -hmm. to put my fall one out recently. But um the discipline, yes. the patriotism. Yes. And in this area, especially with this strong veteran presence, you you see companies that are hiring and, and you know they'll put it out there. We love veterans. We love to hire veterans. And I've often thought about that, you know, when I, I'm always telling this to my son, whenever he retires, he is positioning himself for what I hope is a really good post-military career. He'll have two master's degrees, mm. one in enge civil engineering. Um, mm. But when I think about you, your son, your family, my family, all these veterans in active duty military that we know, yes. they get up, you know, they get up early. They put yes. that uniform on. There is this incredible commitment. Yeah. And when people who come from that background are applying for jobs in the public sector. Yes. You know, I would hope most people look at that and say, okay, this person has the right stuff. Look what she has yeah. done. And, um, and then of course, you know, you have your skills that you learn and hone mm -hmm. in the military. And I'm just, of course, I wish we had a world without war. I think we all wish that, you know, that yeah. yeah. I am so very grateful for, the U.S. military, all branches of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it is. I feel as so like the 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 lifeblood of our our country. Yes, the freedoms that we enjoy that sometimes we often take for granted. Um, I know that we hear it all the time that freedom is not free, mm -hmm. because someone truly did pay often the ultimate sacrifice or sacrifice. Um, 
upon that freedom that we enjoy today. Mm -hmm. And so um, was there anything else that you, I thought you were going to say something? Yeah, I do. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, Rakesia. I was thinking about, um, I won't get into a political discussion here, but I think most people would agree that we're living in a very divisive society and yeah. world. And the other day I sat there and I said to myself, I really don't want it to take another 9-11 mm. to bring us back all together. Yeah. Uh, because when I think about that horrible day in yeah. our country's existence, oh, yeah. how we all pulled together, people were flying their American flag. Yes. And we were all on the same team. Yes. And really, we all are still on the same team. We're the human race. Mm. But there was such a sense of unity, yeah. of patriotism. And I feel like we've lost that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just really hope that on Veterans Day that people will really stop and think about the prices that have been paid Yes. by people in uniform in our country to protect our country, to yes. preserve our freedoms, to keep yeah. peace in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, I just feel so passionately about that. So mm -hmm. I can talk about the military all day. I just, yeah. It's in your blood. <laughs> it is. And I, you know, I just have such respect for all of our military members. I'm, I'll be walking through an airport sometimes, and especially in the Atlanta airport, you see so many um, soldiers, especially yeah. you know, the army bases down there. And this is not bragging because a lot of people do this, but you know, I'll just whip out a $5 bill, especially if I see one by, by himself or herself. Yeah. And I'll just say, thank you for your service. Get yourself a Starbucks or something. Nice. And they're always very appreciative. My son was telling me that he has yet to pay for a meal in an airport. And, and I can attest to that because even when I was serving on active duty, there were so many times that our, our family, we would go out to eat and someone would pay for the meal. Yes. And it was such a, a wonderful experience to feel appreciated, to, to be acknowledged. And there are many people out there that really do um, really appreciate the service and the sacrifice of our military members. And so yes. that, that is a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, one thing I did want to share with you, because uh, I know I said my dad was my greatest teacher and I learned so much about focus and just um, not throwing in the towel. But he also taught me and my sons a really important lesson about forgiveness. Mm. And I think all mm. of us. All of us have struggled with forgiveness. You know, you, I've heard people say, and goodness knows I've said it a million times, well, I can forgive, but I can't forget, mm -hmm. you know? And I think with forgiveness, when you intentionally, in your heart, intentionally forgive someone who has hurt you, you may not ever forget it, but it softens it, you mm -hmm. know? softens that hurt. Yeah. And my father was telling me when I was a child, and then he told this to my sons many times, um, after he had recovered from his, 
years of being a prisoner of war, he they gave him the opportunity to either just retire or go wherever he wanted in the world. And he chose mm-hmm. he chose Europe and had a pretty amazing experience there. And then he was at different posts around this country. Yeah. But he went back to Tokyo to testify in the war trials that you mentioned earlier. Yes. And so he was walking down in this prison where his former guards were now held as prisoners. And he saw some of his fellow prisoners who were there to testify as well. He heard them cursing. Mm. He saw them spitting in the faces of these former Japanese guards. And he said that right then he had to make a decision to do away with unforgiveness Mm -hmm. because he knew that if he carried that anger and that unforgiveness with him, it would be like a cancer that ate away at his soul. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget that. And I've tried to apply that to my life because, you know, I've been hurt a few times by different people. We all have. And forgiveness, you know, I think it's fairly easy. It's commanded by us. It's what we're supposed to do, um, at least me and my Christian faith. Uh, And as you do cultivate that, I do think it softens the hurt that whatever happened to you, if you can just in your mind intentionally try to forgive that person. Mm. But it was a big lesson he taught me. Wow. And what a powerful lesson that he really shared with you and your siblings and your family because like you said that that unforgiveness and and what he went through and experienced you know he could have harbored that and it could have shortened his life because a lot of times when unforgiveness is not resolved it results in a lot of health issues, mental health issues. Absolutely. It impacts the body and eats away at the very essence of who you are. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was willing to not forget, but he was willing to let that go yeah. because he knew that that was freedom for him in yes. preserving his enemies. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a great... Um, video has nothing to do with the military, but Nadia Bowles Weber, who's a best-selling author, Lutheran minister, she has this video that circulated last year, a couple of years ago, about unforgiveness and how that keeps you tethered to the person that hurt you. And you have to cut it. You have to cut that chain, cut that link. And, you know, again, we've all been hurt. It's usually by friends, by family. And, when I think about what my dad went through mm. and he could forgive yes. those people for what they did to him. Yeah. I, you know, yes. that puts it on a whole different level of perspective. Yes, it, it does. Forgiveness. Yes, it does. And it's still resonating with you today. Yeah, it is. It is. I just really hope that on Veterans Day, I hope that, so many people who have no military connections, especially, you know, it's easy when you're not connected to the military in a personal way to watch the news or, oh yeah, you know, I heard about this person or I know of this person who served, but I really hope everybody will really take the time to reach out and Mm -hmm. thank at least one, uh, one veteran. Oh yeah. For for their service. 
Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. And for those that may be wondering, you know, how they can get connected or what they can do in their communities, that in every county, in every city, there's usually some type of local, whether it's an American Legion, whether it's a veteran of foreign wars organization, you can Google it and find out where your organizations are. There will be virtual events, in-person events taking, taking place across the nation all day tomorrow over the weekend. And we just want to encourage you, don't just let it in tomorrow, but let it be a part of, of what you're doing, incorporating it somehow on a consistent basis, whether it's to connect to veteran community, military community, because there's such a great, great need to provide that support. And we all have to do that together, collectively as a community. We do. I think tomorrow here in my area, we're supposed to get a lot of rain. I'm not sure because of this, uh, the remnants of this hurricane or tropical storm that's coming up along the Florida coast. Yeah. And if that's the case on, you know, Veterans Day evening, I'm going to watch a military movie. Yes. I just am just curl up on my sofa and watch a military movie. You know? <laughs> I, uh, but I'll, you know, I'll also text my neighbors, for example, that have served mm -hmm. to thank them for their service. I just think that's really important. And I'll, of course, thank my son. Absolutely. And these are simple ways. It doesn't even, you know, cost you anything, but these no. are simple ways. It doesn't take anything but your time to say thank you. That's right. I can remember uh, years ago when my son lived out in uh, Central Texas, he was at Fort Hood. And I remember when we went to church at Christmas Eve, walking into the foyer of that church, and there was this probably the largest bulletin board I have ever seen um, framed in bunting. And they had pictures and little descriptions all on the board of, they were all soldiers because of Fort Hood. Um, who were currently deployed during the holidays. Mm -hmm. And they had a little card that they handed out to everybody. It was a prayer card mm -hmm. with the names of these people to pray for them. Yeah. And, you know, that's just a beautiful expression yes. of yes. patriotism. It doesn't matter what religion you are, right. you know, because the military is made up of all, all oh, sorts of people. Yeah. And, um, so it was just a beautiful way to help people stay connected. And uh, in my bathroom, in one of my bathrooms, I actually have a frame that's filled with postcards from World War II because my mother, before she ever met my dad, she was pen pals with all these soldiers and Marines. And she would write to them and they would write to her. And I have all these postcards and some of them are organized in a big frame. Uh, so it's just amazing. Amazing, amazing. Wow. Was there anything else that you wanted to share, Amy? Um, gosh, I, you know, I guess, you know, in closing, Rakesia, I would just like to encourage people, and particularly, again, those who have no real military connections, you know, their parents, siblings, children themselves were never in the military, is to just really think tomorrow what that day is about mm -hmm. um and uh to really reach out and thank at least one veteran 
or treat a veteran to coffee or lunch, mm-hmm. fly your American flag, yeah. you know, educate yourself. Like on the Bataan Death March, yeah. if, if people are listening to this and they're like, I, I've never even heard of that, Google it, read yeah. about it, okay. and, and just look at, you know, what our military has done for this country over, over the years. That's right. I'm very grateful. Amen. Grateful for you, grateful for your family, my family. Yes. Wonderful. And thank you so much, Amy. It has been, again, another absolute pleasure to host you on the show today. And just to know that we have the commonality of not only coaches, but we're also military family. Yes. You know, we're, we're connected in a number of different ways. And so I thank you so much for sharing your father's story, your story, your son's um, story, so that people will not forget about this, um, such a significant time that took place in, in history and the fact that your father shared that experience with you. And we're able to still acknowledge that as we are approaching this Veterans Day. So thank you so much for, for sharing your stories. Thank you, Rakesia. You're just, you're such a, a delight. You're such a joy to be around. So I really, I really appreciate that. And again, thank you for your military service and your family service as well. Thank you so much. It's so, so greatly appreciated. And I am certain that this will not be our last time together. We're going to do something else together. But thank you so much again for being such a wonderful guest. Thanks, Rakesia. God bless you, Amy. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share this show. Listen to the Rock Your World Naturally show wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review wherever you listen. Visit WomenRockHealthCoaching.com for more information on women's health and events. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, all at Women Rock Health Coaching, for more content on how to rock your world naturally.